met back in 1995. No, yeah, 95 at your church there in Salt Lake, I believe. Uh, yeah, he was wet behind the ears back then, though, so it's good to see him here. Amen. They allow cowboy boots in college now? It took them a while. I had a pair of two, but they wouldn't let me wear them, so. Anyway, you got your Bibles turned to Acts 16 tonight, Acts 16. <clears throat> this is a message that God gave me when we had to leave Russia and <clears throat> we're headed over to Estonia. We didn't know we was going to Estonia at the time we left Russia. And um, I honestly was at a point in my life because we had no idea what we were doing, where we were going, and what was happening. And uh, I was at a uh, friend of mine, Tom Murray, in Fairbanks, Alaska. He asked us when we left Russia, he says, why don't you spend a couple days come up to my house and just get your feet back on the ground. And so we were up there, and I was off his balcony. He has like a mother-in-law's quarters over his garage, and I was on the balcony, and I was reading through my Bible, and I happened to be in Acts at that time, and I was reading this very passage. And, um, and God was just, I was just saying, God, what, what's going on? I had no idea what God was going to do. And uh, as I was sitting there, there was a bird off in the distance. I said, wouldn't that be awesome if that was an eagle? As it got closer, I saw it was a bald eagle, and I said, wouldn't that be really awesome? He had, a, like, a lake out here. I said, if that thing hit the lake and caught a fish, and that thing came out of the sky, and pow, right in front of me, hit it, caught a fish, and I thought, Lord, it's amazing how he answers prayer, even in the little things. And so as I began to read this passage, and we're going to read that this morning, uh, this evening, God, it's morning for me somewhere, <laughs> I don't know, uh, uh, God began to show me some things from the scriptures, and I want to share them with you, because I wished I had known these things put it that way. So let's look at Acts 16. We're going to begin reading in verse 6. We'll read down to verse 12 to start off with. And in Acts 16, verse 6, it says, Now when we had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Notice that now, forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After we were come to Mysia, we essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. We were abiding certain days. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you this evening. I just pray, Lord, that your power be upon the message. Help speak through me. I pray the Holy Spirit will work on our hearts. I pray you guide the message, guide my lips, guide the words I would speak tonight. Help this message to be a help uh, to others as it's been a help to me. Father, I pray that as we learn from the scriptures how you lead, how you direct, that it would be an encouragement to our own personal lives, and then we then could be encouragement to others. And Father, I pray that you use us in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> I want you to notice <clears throat> how God leads. And this is contrary to what we think oftentimes. God often leads, almost always leads, in, in a direction, not to a destination. However, our nature, our flesh, how we are built revolts against the spirit. And by nature, we are faithless. We're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight. But unfortunately, too many of us want the sight, too, to go along with our faith. And uh, so much so are we attuned to the outside world that God himself even puts scientific, relax, 
heirs into the word of God so we can understand the world around us better. And everybody looking at me kind of funny right now. If anybody is supposed to help us understand scientific knowledge, uh, if we looked at the weather report, for example, you would expect them to understand how uh, all these things work, right? Yet they put error every time you see a weather report that tells you when sundown and sunrise is because the sun doesn't go down nor does it rise. It, we are rotating. But it's so complex and so convoluted to try to explain that. Well, tomorrow the earth is going to rotate around so that you'll be able to all of a sudden see this the solar light shine. They just call it sunrise. It's not really technically right. You guys with me now? Uh, just relax. It's okay. Okay. So sunrise and sundown are not scientifically correct. But that's what we call them. And God puts them in the Bible because he understands how we operate. Uh, I got something. He's still, they can't get over. He said the Bible had inaccuracies in it. I can't go any further than that. We are are built with inaccuracies. It's how we live. And God understands how we live. And so because he understands us, he tells us that Joshua had his son pause in the Valley of Ajalon. Am I right? Is that what it says in the Bible? And when you stop and think about it, probably what really would have had to happen is what? The earth stopped rotating. Does it really matter which happened? How would you observe it? If you were to observe it, you would say, wow, the sun stopped in the sky. Am I right? Man, you guys are all looking at me like I've lost my mind. Nobody's wanting the answers. They're all afraid. My point I'm trying to get across, maybe I've not accomplished that, is God has to deal with us where we are when he would love to be able to deal with us where he is. But that's a leap we cannot make. And so what God does often, when he wants us to go into a direction, he puts a destination out there, even though he maybe doesn't want us to get to that destination. How many of you have come out here and gone on Interstate 94? Nobody. Okay. Uh, if you go out there, and now they used to, I, they've ruined my, my, my sermon because years past, I checked this out one time, uh, this sign out here used to simply say Chicago. Now they've got West. They used to only put a destination on it. And the other one would say Detroit. Now they say East in small letters at the top and Detroit in the big letters at the bottom. If you go to some countries, France, for example, they don't put east and west on their signs. They only put the destination. And in this case, 94 doesn't stop it in Chicago. They wouldn't put Chicago. They would put whatever little podunks village it finally stops at on the other side of the country. And so when you're in France trying to, you'd have to get a map and go, where is Le Chansois? I have no idea. I don't know if it's east, west, north, or south. And I don't know which way. It was awful driving in France. We are destination-oriented to the extreme so much that if God wants us to go west, he has to put a destination out there so that we will head in that direction, and you see it right here in Scripture. Look at this in verse 6. When they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, if you study uh, biblical geography, you understand that Paul was a missionary out of what church? 
Antioch of Syria, be careful, there's two of them. Antioch of Syria, and if you look at the map, I'm going to paint it for you. Uh, he's going to be way over here in the east. He's going to travel due west. He's going to go through this region, what it says, Galatia here. And he's going to come up to a region, what is it now, Turkey. It's in the central part of Turkey, and it, uh, it's called Asia. And he gets to the border of Asia, and that was the destination he had in mind the day before he got there. How do I know he was going there? Because the Bible says... The the Holy Spirit stopped him. He was forbidden to go in, which means that's what he was attempting to do. And he's trying to go into Asia, and God stopped him. Now, I had gotten with uh, Brother Armacost before he left, so he can't, he's not here tonight to tell you this otherwise, but we sat down, we studied the Greek, and there's some things in Greek that you don't see here in the King James Bible, and I will help them, we, we'll bring it out for you tonight. What happens between this is that it, it says in the Greek here that Paul uh, had had a missions conference in Antioch. You didn't see that in there, but it's, it's, it's in the Greek. And uh, he, he had a display in the back, and it said, Paul, premier missionary to Asia, and he had a nice display. It had, it had John Romans in Asian, and it had, it had uh, Joel helped him with printing of that. And he had, he had tracks, and he had all these materials to go to Asia. And Paul and his church get together, and they commission him. It's all in the Greek. And they commission him, and they send him out to go to Asia. And he gets to, he sends a prayer letter out before he leaves, and says, we are finally on the road. Deputation is over. We are going to the country of Asia to win souls for Christ, and We'll be in Asia just shortly. Just follow us along. He gets his camels and they head out and they get to Asia and they're stopped. The Holy Spirit forbid them to go in. So Paul had to stop, plug his laptop into the camel and type out a letter and saying, well, it seems to me that we are not going to get into Asia after all. And 25% of his support was dropped just like that by churches saying, if this man doesn't know where he's supposed to go and minister, we don't want to support him. Now, if you think that's a stretch, when we left Russia in 2003, we didn't know where we were going. But we weren't quitting. And so I sent a brother out and said, well, we can no longer get a visa. We are looking to where God would move us next and one, we lost $600 a month the day we left the country of Russia. Within six weeks, we lost another $700. We had lost $1,300 before two months was even up. We had never had a furlough. We said, well, let's take a furlough. Uh, and yet we already lost a huge portion of our support. And the reason behind it was, well, if you don't know what you're doing why should we support you? It got quiet. Paul, again, I just read all of the Greek for you guys had another explanation now. Paul here, did he know where he was really going? He thought he did. He thought he was going to Asia. But when he got to Asia, God said stop. So we've, he's already traveled from east to West, did I paint that the right way? Yeah, I did, okay. <clears throat> and then we get to the next verse. And when they were come to Mysia, does anybody know where Mysia is? It's on the north side of Asia. And so he, it's just directly north of Asia. So they were come to Mysia, 
they essayed to go into Bithynia, which is back to the east. So now Paul has traveled from the east to west. He has now gone north. Now he's going back east. And the Spirit suffered them not. Before he left Asia, he had written another letter and said, well, it looks like the Lord's leading us to possibly go into Bithynia. And he gets over to Bithynia, and the Spirit suffers them not. And 25% of his support, boom, is dropped. They're like, what kind of guy is this? What? He'll never make it. He doesn't have a clue where he's going. He's been going from the east to the west to the north to the back to the east. What's wrong with this guy? He'll never make it. I don't think we should support him. And it gets better. And they're there, and they're... So they then they, they weren't allowed to go to Bithynia. They passed by Mysia, came down to Troas. Now they're going south. So he's going east, west, north, south. You with me? <clears throat> Vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a what? A man, thank you, of Macedonia. Thank you. And so we, we read, read down through there. They leave there. They get over there. And we see them abiding certain days, verse 12. What do you think they were doing in the city? Why did he go there? Why did he go there? He was looking for a man of Macedonia. So he's abiding certain days. Did he find the man? I'm going to tell you how desperate he was. Brother Jeff, you said this tonight that you hadn't gone to that ladies' meeting on Tuesday. <clears throat> Have you ever gone to a ladies' baby shower? On purpose, because you wanted to go. Ch ba baby shower, wedding shower, ladies' Tupperware meeting, ladies' pampered chef. You've not gone to any of those. You went to ladies' pampered chef. Okay. Maybe we'll talk to somebody else. Dr. Mitchell, surely you have not gone to the Pampered Chef ladies' meetings. No. You missed out. Have you ever had a desire secretly, this is confession time, to go to a ladies' meeting? Okay. I will confess, I have been to a ladies' tea in, Stone, in Estonia only because it was a special event and all us men served. And then we ate the leftovers. That's okay, that's valid. But the actual meeting, we boycotted. We, that's why it's called boycott. We didn't go. My point is, Paul has been criticized by some that he's a woman hater. I mean, you read the New Testament, you read the, 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 the epistles that Paul wrote, and he gives men authority and tells ladies to be submissive to their husbands. Forget the fact that the Holy Spirit was the actual author. But Paul has been criticized for being a woman hater. But we see here in the Bible... He is waiting, trying to find a man of Macedonia. And look at verse 13. On the Sabbath day, they went out by, of the city by a river where prayer was wont to be made. So he decides to go to a prayer meeting. Good, good idea. Unfortunately, this is not an average prayer meeting. Look at the next part of the verse. We sat down and spoken to the <clears throat> women. The women which resorted there. So he goes to a women's prayer meeting. He's so desperate to find a man of Macedonia, he goes to a women's prayer meeting. <clears throat> he doesn't find a man of Macedonia there. He finds a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple and fine, fine linen, <laughs> seller of purple of the city of Thyatira. All right, you geography majors, where's Thyatira located? 
is in Asia. We see God's perfect plan. While Paul is stumbling around going, I have no idea what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> God directs him exactly to the point he needed to be. And so often, if we would just listen to God, God will do that with us. He had all these destinations in his mind because God was wanting him to go in that direction. God didn't need him to go into Asia, but God pointed him to Asia. And so his predator said, I'm going to Asia. Okay, I understand. I'm being a little facetious here. Guys, just relax. Uh, and, and so he gets over to Asia, and he thinks he's going to go up and try and go in Bithynia. God doesn't let him go in Bithynia either. But God's using these destinations to put him in a direction. And if we get so wrapped up in our destinations, we miss the direction that God has for us. And you don't have to know the steps that God wants you to take. You have to know the person laying them out for you. And that's all introduction. <clears throat> I've got four points here. And uh, we'll try to get through this. Last time I preached here, I was criticized. I went too short. So, and then I was counseled by staff to cut it off. And <clears throat> then I got yelled at for doing that. So, y'all are in trouble now. If we don't understand how God works, we will be discouraged. And discouragement is comes from misunderstanding. I want you to notice, first of all, how, Paul, how God was, led Paul. He led him by concealed steps. Paul had no idea what the next step was. And oftentimes you don't either. Oftentimes the reason we don't know what the next step is because we couldn't handle the knowledge if God gave it to us. And God conceals the steps. You know, I don't know of an instance in the Bible where God laid out for anybody the entire plan of that person's life. We see Abraham looking for his city. Abraham was called a friend of God. The Bible tells us in, in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Abram, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out not knowing whither he went. If the friend of God, Abraham, did not know where God was leading him, why do you think you should? You just need to obey God and go and not worry about what else is out there. Moses, I like Moses. <clears throat> Moses, uh, if you ever read Moses, you read in the fact in the Bible that he's, he's at the burning bush. He sees the bush. He's already gone 40 years as a prince of Egypt. Then he's been out in the wilderness 40 years chasing sheep. And he gets to the burning bush. He sees this. He wants to know what's going on. He gets there. He hears a voice. I am that I am. He's afraid. I mean, all this thing going on. And you listen to the arguments of Moses. You understand he had some concerns. And Pharaoh was the least of his concern. His biggest concern was the Israel people, the Jewish nation, whether they would follow him. And if you read in the Bible, you don't ever see God argue with him. In fact, you see God providing for him when he argues to God and says, I am man slow of speech and tongue. Did you not read that in the Bible in Exodus chapter 4? And yet we also know that he's mentioned as uh, Moses, a man mighty in word and deed. Wait a minute. How could he be a man mighty in word and deed and be slow of tongue? Well, I think I figured it out one day. It hit me, right? And I was asked to go on the radio in Russia and preach. And I said, are you kidding me? No way. I am not going on the radio. My Russian is not that good. I, I could, you could tell me right now to preach a message for an hour and a half. I wouldn't even have to have a Russian Bible. I could just use my own. I have enough Bible memorized. I'm not bragging. We all do. Uh, I could do it. But it would be my type of Russian, if you understand what I mean. My people love me. They are used to listening to me. And as bad as my Russian is, they can understand me. But to go on the radio, no way, Jose. I think 
Moses' problem was the language. He wasn't raised as a Jew. In fact, we know based on the situation with Joseph when he was the prime minister that when his brothers showed up, he didn't dare speak their language because the, the, the cat would be out of the bag. They would understand that, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. Why is this Egyptian ruler able to speak our language? Which then becomes the language of the slaves. So Moses not only probably didn't know it very well, he wouldn't have known it very well. And I think that was the issue. In fact, if you look at it, God had already commissioned Aaron to be his spokesman. And so Moses' issue is the language issue. And that was enough to call, my, in my opinion, I was out of the pulpit when I said that, it's okay. Uh, <clears throat> and I think that was an issue that he's dealing with and it's causing him grave concern. And God begins to lay a few things that's going to happen. You're going to have to throw your stick down. It's going to come a snake. It's going to take his. Uh, Aaron's going to actually be the one throwing it down. You're going to put your hand in your thing, pull it out. It's going to become leprous. Put it back in and you're going to be healed. And I can see Moses, if you read the text, you see him getting a little bit nervous about going to Pharaoh. Could you imagine if God said to Moses, Moses, let me just tell you what's going to happen. <clears throat> Here's what's going to happen, Moses. <clears throat> you're going to go down there. They're not going to like you. Their own people are not going to like you. Everybody's going to hate you. And you're going to do these few miracles, and, Moses, and he's going to get angry. He's going to take away the straw. The people are going to start to get mad at you. And then eventually you're going to have to uh, turn the, the river into blood. And the entire nation of Egypt, including the, your own people, <laughs> are going to experience the blood. And then, if that's not going to work, he's going to get angry at you, and you're going to have to go fight the Pharaoh again. Their own people are going to get mad at you. You're going to have to then call forth frogs, and they're going to be everywhere. They're going to be in the food. They're going to be under your feet. Crunch, crunch, crunch. They're going to be in your sandwiches. Crunch, crunch. That's more protein. And there, nobody's going to like this. Your own people are not going to like this. But that's not the end of it. After they, they have another night with the frogs, uh, they're going to have lice come on, and they're going to experience the lice. Everybody's going to experience it, Egyptian and Jew alike. However... At that point, I'm going to start to help build you up in the eyes of the Jewish nation. I'm going to bring flies, and the flies are only going to be in Egypt. They're not going to be in, in Goshen where the Jewish people are. That's going to be a little separation there. Beelzebub can be over in Egypt. But then it's going to get like hammer blows, marines, on, and we're going to bring uh, boils, and we're going to bring hail with fire, and the locusts are going to eat everything up. And then we're going to cause darkness to, to permeate the entire uh, land, and they're going to chew their own tongues. And then I'm going to bring death to the firstborn. And death is going to reign throughout Egypt, and they're going to hate you. They're going to want to kick you out of the country. In fact, they will do so. And you will leave the country. About now, Moses is going, right? He's thinking about the people he knows who's going to lose their children. And he's, don't worry, Moses, I got this. It's going to get better than that. You're going to leave Egypt. You're going to get down to the, to, the, to the Red Sea. And those very soldiers whose children have been killed, who've had every family been affected, is going to be after you. <laughs> and they're going to surround you by the sea. But don't worry. You can just part it and cross on dry ground. Moses would have been a basket case. For the second time in his life. <clears throat> I knew two people would get it. My point is this. Moses had no idea what to do next. God had to give him every step because the steps were concealed. I'm running out of time, but I want to tell you. One of the things we had to do when we got to Estonia because we could not open the Bible and begin to preach because they didn't accept the Bible as God's word. 
we had to establish that this is a supernatural book given by a supernatural God to man. And we had to do that by using sources outside of the Word of God because they don't accept the Word of God. And the silliest thing to say is, well, the Bible's true. How do you know that the Bible says so? Oh, okay. Really? Okay. So we did, there's plenty of ways you can show them the Word of God. It's true. One, and the, our final commentation was in Daniel where Daniel's writing these things, we would answer, ask this question on every service, how could any man write that which he does not know? He cannot, unless one who does know tells him what to write. And I said, I can write beautiful Russian if you'll tell me the words to put down on a paper. Okay? And uh, <clears throat> Daniel wrote things. He said, I don't know. And he asked prayer. God sent an angel. The angel explained it. And he said, I still didn't understand. What a, what a wonderful testimony, proving that this was given by God. <clears throat> concealed steps. Once you notice also, as we looked in the Acts 16 here, not only were the steps concealed as Paul began to not know what step was next, not know, he, went one, he went every direction on the compass because not only were the steps concealed, they were changed. They were changed. We came to Bible College in 1999. <clears throat> what most people don't know is Pastor Phil Clark was not my pastor. He was, we were soul winning partners. We were, we, were, we were friends. And uh, so when he took off work from UPS and was uh, traveling across country with me, uh, he asked me, he says, so Mike, what do you think uh, you want to do after college? I said, man, I have no idea. He says, are you going to be a pastor? Are you going to be an assistant pastor? I said, I'm getting too old to be a youth pastor. But I said, uh, I would be a good assistant pastor. I knew I could do that. I'd love to do that. I think I still could be a good assistant pastor. I'd enjoy letting somebody else have all the responsibility, and I could just do what's the good stuff of the ministry, amen? And uh, he said, what about missions? I said, no, well, that's the last thing in my mind. There's two things I don't want to do, and one's missions, the other one's bus. And uh, true story. And uh, my first class, my first day, my first week, my first semester, my first year of college was Dr. Champlin's uh, missions class. And he's crazy. Um, he thinks everybody should, well, he, he thought, he's past tense, he thought everybody should be a missionary. And so I thought, I don't need this class because I'm not going to be a missionary. And so I promptly went, it's the only class I ever dropped in college. I dropped the class and uh, uh, <clears throat> I took it later on. But I, had to, I dropped it at that point and said, uh, God, I'm not going to the missions. And uh, Tom Ross preached. He was from uh, Romania. He, he was beginning to present the ministry of Romania. The Soviet Union is breaking up while I'm in college. And uh, man, God broke my heart. And he preached a message, and it was this. He made a point. He says, if you're not willing to do what God wants you to do, and if you don't know what God wants you to do because you're not willing, that's okay. Come on. All right? However, would you be willing to be willing? If there's something you're not willing to do, and, it's, and, you, and, you, and it could be God's will, would you be willing to be willing? Meaning, would you come and just bow before a God that loves you and say, God, I trust you. I don't want to do that. But if you'd break my heart, help me be willing to do your will. I don't want to do It's okay to be honest with God. And tell him, I don't want your will. But I want to want your will. And I'm going to tell you something. When God breaks your heart, man, it was no challenge. When we, when we got kicked out of Russia, I mean, Holly just was broke. My kids were broke. We were broke. 
We were broke. And we said, God, where now? We were the most miserable and excited times of our ministry. Miserable because we just were brokenhearted for leaving Russia. But excited because every time we met another missionary, we were praying, God, maybe that's the new mission field, amen? So every slide presentation. And I went through Estonia, saw a country with no, really no missionaries. And I began to pray for Estonia. I said, God, call somebody to Estonia. Call somebody to Estonia. Never thought it'd be us. Months went by and I realized we still hadn't received it. I began to beg God, God, call us. We began to beg God every service, God, call us. Six months we prayed, Lord, call us, Lord, call us. And God made it very evident that he wanted us to go to Estonia. But when God told me I could go to Estonia, I got up from my knees just so joyful because we were doing what God wanted us to do willfully. If you don't want to obey God, that's okay to admit it to God. But are you willing to let God change your heart? If you are, are you willing to be willing for God to work? And that was what broke my heart. Tom Ross preached that. We thought we were going to Romania. One shortly thereafter, Larry Ingalls came by and began to present Ukraine. We thought, wow, okay, we definitely know we're not going to Romania. God's already, is this, is this, we just knew it died out. We began to pray to Ukraine. We got excited about the Ukraine. It wasn't until... Uh, Ben Jaquith, pastor from Mountain Tiger, Oregon, came and presented Russia that we knew that was the place. But all along there, we were willing to be willing. And this is how God works. He often conceals steps. He often changes steps. That's what, we did for, that's what God did for us. That's what God did for Paul. I realized that as much as I didn't know what God was doing, as much as I didn't know where we were going, I was in good company. And that changed everything, preacher. That changes everything when you realize you ain't the only one that's going through something. You've all been through some of these things, haven't you? I've been through these before, but never understood that that's how God works. He conceals steps. He changes steps. If you want God's blessings, you need to continue stepping. <clears throat> You've all heard this, I'm sure, um, I'll repeat something you may have already heard preached here. Uh, I, was under the, I was told that uh, another preacher preached something similar to this, but I'll, I'm, I use it as well. Um, most people don't really... Uh, I, one of the biggest genres of music in our hymnals that's got a lot of errors in it, I guess, would be the Christmas music. If you look at the words of some of the songs there. And one in particular is We Three Kings. Uh, we sing that one, many, many churches do. We love it in Russian because they fix all the doctrinal errors in it. And uh, it's Vot Valkviv, Stokivitot. It means, look, the wise men are coming from the east. It's, it's a wonderful song in, in, in Russian. <clears throat> but uh, we sing this song. You guys, how many of you have ever sung it in your life? Nobody? Okay, three people. Uh, you know, we three kings of Orion are bearing gifts. We travel so far, field and fountain, more and mountain, following yonder star. The Bible doesn't say they followed a star from the east. They saw it in the east. Past tense, perfective verb. Saw it in the east. We have seen his star in the east. That's a one-time event. They saw, they saw the star. Then, because the star conveyed information that a Jewish king was born, where is he that is born king of the Jews? They ascertained that it would be in Jerusalem where they would find this new king because that's where the Jewish kings were located. 
So they, on their own volition, own initiative, packed up their camels, loaded up their gear, and headed to Jerusalem. Uh, the star never led them there. God wasn't lost. And they got to Jerusalem. If God was leading them, if the star was directing them, they would have got to Jerusalem, and they would say, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east. And they would say, he's not here. And they would say, you're kidding. God wasn't in heaven going, I did not see that coming. God knew all along where Jesus was. It wasn't a surprise to him. Okay, so God didn't lead them to Jerusalem. Get that right off the bat. Uh, and just think about this. You ever thought about how many camels Eleazar took just to go get a bride for Isaac? How many? She watered them. How many? Ten. Just to go get one girl. How many camels do you think the wise men had to bring all these treasure, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and gold being the least valuable of the three. Can you imagine coming out of the desert, that entourage? Bible says the whole place was in, ter- in turmoil. Well, yeah, all of a sudden this whole, ah, this whole army comes out of the desert <laughs> with armed guards saying, where's the king? They're like, ah. okay, think about that. Put that in perspective. God wasn't lost. God didn't lead them to Jerusalem. They just assumed that's where the king was. Because if you read your Bible, the Bible says that Herod questioned them when they saw the star and they got a two-year time frame, which means two years ago, while they were in the east, they saw the star. They ascertained from whatever information was conveyed that a king of the Jews was born. They got their stuff together. They collected up the treasure. They hired guards, and off they went. It took them two years to get all that done to get to Jerusalem. They get there and find out he's not there. He's in a little village called Bethlehem. And they leave Bethlehem, and the Bible says that the star that they had seen in the east appeared again and led them to the place where the young child was. You get that? Two years, they never saw the star. But they continued in the path, in the direction that God had led them. And because they continued stepping, the star returned. If you want the blessings of God, you need to understand that He conceals steps, He changes steps, but the true blessings only come when you continue stepping. Tonight, are you willing to be willing to let God have complete direction in your life? Preacher.